everybody. Diane Kamikaze here. It's time for Peer Pressure. My guests today, Catherine Terman and John Wiederhorn, authors of Louder Than Hell, the complete oral history, the definitive oral history of metal, a recently published book, a massive one. They've got a lot of great things to say. So please stay tuned for that. And Lita Martinez, thank you for editing the podcast. Liz Berg, thank you for handling all the other podcast duties. We are WFMU. Catherine Terman and John Wiederhorn is somewhere in the ether out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I was going to be introduced. I didn't realize I'd have to. But at least I get to pronounce my name right. So it's John Wiederhorn here. Well, you know what? I was going to introduce you, and then I the, the computer did something that completely distracted me, and I apologize. And you know what? I didn't know how to pronounce your name. So that's right. perfect, actually. And so uh, comes out for the We're bed. happy to fill in for any dead computers. We're good at that. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, so technology's not always our friend. Well, and you've put out this massive book, like 700, uh, nearly 800 pages called Louder Than Hell, The Definitive Oral History of Metal. And can you give us a little bit of, of uh, background on yourselves, how you arrived at choosing this undertaking and, uh, and, and sort of how the beginnings of that went? Sure. Um, I've been uh, doing music journalism for about uh, 23 years now and, um, you know, have worked for various uh, uh, publications writing a whole lot about metal um, for uh, RIP and uh, MTV Online and MTV News and Rolling Stone and bunches of, you know, places. I'm currently a senior uh, writer at Revolver. And I was uh, figuring it was time to make my, my leap into books so uh, I was working with my agent, um, and uh, we uh, figured out Judas Priest wanted to do an authorized biography, and they were interested in having me work with them on that. So I was I was uh, just over the moon about that, and uh, started trying to lay the groundwork and set up interviews, and then the band started dragging their heels a little bit, and uh, it kind of became clear um, over uh, a few weeks that uh, that they really weren't ready to. Uh, to uh, write their, uh, you know, um, their full authorized biography at that point, and they felt that their career hadn't reached an end, so there was no reason to tell their story. Um, so my agent said, okay, great, well, let's get you started on something else. Uh, what do you got? Um, and I said, um, okay, I've got about a 1,000 uh, interviews plus on my hard drive, but uh, let me think. Uh, and then suddenly I thought, you know, what about a big history on uh, on metal as as told as an oral history, the way that uh, Please Kill Me was uh, was written, which is a great punk rock book that was done by uh, Legs McNeil oh, and yeah. uh, Julian McCain. Um, you know, so it would be uh, a history of metal told strictly through the mouths uh, of the uh, musicians uh, from various genres, uh, musicians, uh, insiders, label people, etc., and uh, my agent said, that's a great idea. That's, that's great. Uh, but you know what? It's a huge undertaking. So I really want you to bring a co-writer on, because um, you really can't do this by yourself. It just w- works best for this kind of a book if you have two people. 
So, you know, think of somebody. And uh, it didn't take long uh, until I thought about Catherine, because I had written for her at RIP, and she had written for me when I was an editor at Guitar Magazine, and she's from the West Coast, and I'm from New York, and, uh, you know, uh, our interests complemented each other, but she's more schooled in, uh, you know, more of the commercial metal, and I'm a little bit more into the underground stuff. So uh, and it, it, we were friends already, so it just, uh, it just seemed like a great, uh, a great match. Yes, I, I concur with everything he said and then some. <laughs> if you want to know my background, I can tell you. Yeah, but, please. Um, well, in, in brief, um, I'm from the West Coast. I'm an L.A. native, and I started going to clubs when I was around 16. saw a lot of great early bands, including uh, Guns N' Roses before they were signed and Early Poison before they got a deal. And then I, uh, you know, I, I was pretty serious about having a career. So like John, I went to journalism school. And uh, kind of moved on from there. My first job was at Teen Magazine, actually, Ooh. where I did write about Guns N' Roses at, at Teen. And I got a um, letter from the PMRC saying, how can I promote this kind of music to teenage girls? But ah. that, my, that was my goal. Of course. <laughs> um, and from then on, like, like John said, I, I was an editor at RIP Magazine, and he was a writer there. And then he edited me at some guitar publications. And um, it just uh, carried on in... in in the journalism world of, of music and metal. And then uh, I've been in radio for quite a while, and now I work uh, producing a show called Nights with Alice Cooper. So I've got oh, a really day job, if you want to call radio that. Wow. <laughs> and my, the book. There's a bonus. Now, I'm not going to hijack this interview by asking you everything about Alice Cooper, but that's awesome. Well, we can talk off the air about Alice. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, and, and Alice was an immense help in this book as well. Uh, we, we felt it would be a better idea if I inter- interviewed him than if Catherine did, but mm-hmm. boy, he's a lively, entertaining guy with uh, tons of great stories and, uh, you know, has helped promote us, and, and the book is, and uh, is, it's just been a great, um, you know, a great supporter, a comrade. Well, you know, and I was having a conversation with a friend not that long ago, and we were talking about what what we think of as like adults like what a who the perfect adult was and we decided that alice cooper was the perfect adult because he has fun you know what i would agree with you well he get he gets to dress up he has fun he can support himself he's very well spoken he's really such an open friendly human being i've been lucky enough to meet him once or twice and for very short periods of time but you know when you get into that whole backstage thing and people are like oh my god it's alice cooper he's like hey hi how are you doing like he really is just this this open person and and so we decided that he was like the the perfect example of a of an adult (laughs) i will tell him that that he's been voted uh the perfect adult by by fans the world over (laughs) (laughs) but you know i mean having the best of all worlds and really understanding that he does have the best of all worlds you Mm -hmm. know and uh, and humble about it yeah 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 for sure maybe he can help marilyn manson grow up on the uh current yeah. tour <laughs> give him some etiquette lessons right well, yeah well in and in reading some of the things that marilyn manson said i haven't finished the book um it, it is as i mentioned before it's over 700 pages i think it's closer to 800 isn't it no it's closer to 700 but it's still pretty it's over 700 yeah i mean how much I have it right in front of me and it is exactly 
718 pages. Oh, okay, okay. 718, and it weighs that's, two and a half pounds. That's that's really <laughs> the question. And what had yes. so so what what year was it that you guys got together to put the book together? I don't know. We started 1784? four years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, in 1984. <laughs> no, I said 1784. Yeah. Right. Seems like that long ago. Yeah, no, um, it was supposed to be uh, a project that would take about a year and a half, which is, I think, one of the reasons Catherine was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Right. And um, then we realized, oh, my God, a year and a half. We have to get an extension because, you know, six months passed very quickly, and we realized that we were assembling interviews, but, you know, we weren't up to Chapter 13 yet. Um, so, yeah. uh we were we were granted another six months, pretty much, uh, given a flat two years to turn it in, and uh, we pretty much turned it in shortly thereafter. Um, except it was almost twice as long <laughs> as the book is now, mm-hmm. because um, we just threw everything in but the kitchen sink. Our direction was, well, whatever you've got, you know, let's see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, at least our editor at the time had a, a great sense of humor. He sent a uh, photo of uh, our manuscript. Um, stacked up on the floor about a foot and a half high next to a yardstick. Wow. Um, and then shortly after left the company. <laughs> <laughs> we like to think that we didn't drive him out. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and, and you have to wonder, like, what's the conversation like for the two of you? Like, we should write this book that takes us four years and weighs a couple of pounds. <laughs> in, in You know, I mean, just as a conversation, it's like, yeah, sure, I'll sign on to do that. Like, how long was the, the rough draft? Well, we, we actually cut several, I think we cut several chapters. Our uh, One chapter in its entirety, we, we deleted grunge. Um, oh, good. Because we just figured, you know, it's, it's not um, as definitively metal as, as other metal genres. You know, of course, Black Sabbath was a big influence on Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and bands like that. But, you know, uh, I guess we, we'd rather lose Alice in Chains than Black Sabbath. So we had to make, uh, you know, quite a few uh, judgment calls. And well, it's funny when, when some reviewers are looking at the book, they're like, they left this out, they left that out. And we're like, yeah, we're, we're aware of what we had to leave out, but otherwise it would have been you know, 1,400 pages, no one right. would have ever read it, and it would have had to cost $50. Right, and you'd have so to definitely you'd have to supply, yeah, like, a walking stick control. or, like, a cane with it to be able to carry it, you know, <laughs> along with. To come with a skateboard, maybe you can you can come right. along behind you. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, like one of those one of those supermarket um, carts, like the tiny ones. Yes, the, yeah, exactly, like that. exactly. <laughs> well, and you do, ha- like, you do interview people sort of from the grunge, quote, era in the book, about yeah, metal. yeah we were it's able not to like incorporate you cut them some out. of those interviews yeah. um, into other chapters. Like mm-hmm. Alice and Chains were on the Clash of the Titans tour with, uh, you know, Slayer, um, Megadeth, Anthrax. And, and, and Anthrax, mm-hmm. and uh, su- Suicidal, and you know, well, there were two lineups, one in the states and one in Europe. But um, in the states, uh, uh, it included uh, Alice and Chains, and it was a real trial by fire for them because. Uh, at the time, grunge wasn't flying full force, and uh, they had just done facelift, and they were not only pelted with uh, cans and, and cups, but they were pelted with uh, uh, full jugs of urine. <laughs> People were ready for <laughs> them. Uh, they ended up them. fighting members of the crowd and uh, you know, on a <laughs> nightly basis, and, and uh, it turned into a real... Uh, you know, thrash versus uh, this new guard kind of, kind of thing. Um, but they held their own and uh, ultimately gained the respect, I think, from 
even a lot of those thrash fans. They wouldn't seem to be one of those bands that did outlive the uh, stigma of grunge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, you know, well, and, and also having their main person pass away, you know. Yeah. That's a, uh, all, yeah. The, uh, well, when I, it came to grunge, we figured most of those bands didn't want to be considered metal. And right. the kind of final decision was, okay, if you don't consider yourself metal, then why should we consider you metal in the book? Um, you know, it's kind of glib, but I, I guess that's why they are in, uh, they're out, and and say industrial metal chapter is uh, is still is still in there. And uh, although it's it's cut down a bit, as is the uh, crossover metal chapter. I mean, everything mm. really. That was the hardest part of the book was just uh, chopping it all down. But I think the book is better for it because no one wants to read in a thousand-page book, let alone you know, right. <laughs> and, right. and it just made it tighter and uh, it, it made the stories flow I mean one of the greatest compliments people say is that uh, it's an easy read and you know, before they know it they're 200 pages into it oh absolutely yeah, and also I think it's, it's designed so you can really pick it up and start anywhere um, a lot of friends have said they, they're keeping the book in their bathroom which I guess is a compliment because mm. you know you can pick it up and like oh here you know, let's read a little about uh, Norwegian death and let's uh oh let's you know do some hair metal in la now so you can kind of dive in anywhere or as you say you can kind of get the whole soup to nuts history by by slogging your way through so and um and if a large spider crawls across the floor all you have to do is just slam (laughs) the book down and the sucker doesn't have a chance right exactly i feel like it's one of those restaurants where they they give you a, a prize for eating the giant hamburger in 15 minutes if you finish the book you should get a prize right Right. <laughs> well, or one of those diners with 2,000 items on it, and <laughs> you just yeah. don't know what to order. Exactly, exactly. Well, and it's one of those books that you would go back to, and you would, you could, you know, it's a pass-around book also. Like when the Motley Crue book came out, a friend of mine was reading it, and I had no intention of reading it, and then I saw it sitting there, and I just opened it, and I cracked it open. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, can I borrow this? But I, And I want to just yeah. make it clear to the listeners that this book makes the Motley Crue look like a primer. Like this is a, <laughs> like an, it's a, it's yeah, a, un- that's one of the greatest compliments I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, this exactly, is a, exactly. this is a monolith of a book and it's, uh, you know, and it's real. I just want to, you know, commend you on the undertaking. And, and what's cool is like, you know, you've got, you interview Tony Iommi and Phil Anselmo and, you know, Eddie Van Halen. And then you also, you know, you interview Charles from Rorschach and, you know, Harley from the Cro-Mags and, and some real, you know, street level bands also so it's got a great scope and uh, yeah i mean and we still get complaints that we didn't talk to members of Borknocker and and vomitory and, well sure and, you know, of course you are and blood sprayer or <laughs> and, and that's just what happens when you go public with a project otherwise you could yeah. have this great book that you pass around among your friends and it's you know six thousand pages and you've spoken to everybody you know and it you you know yeah. you pass it back well, and forth with a shopping cart kind of um it was painful because we did talk to a lot of other people who are personal favorites. You know, I talked to almost everybody in the Swedish death metal scene. Mm. And then I realized, holy crap, I can't, you know. First of all, love to them, but they're not the most exciting people in <laughs> the world, or at least they don't share their uh, dirty little secrets. Um, <laughs> you know, they're musicians, and they're serious, and they've there have been some great bands, you know, in Flames and at the gates and the oh, tunes, sure. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it mm-hmm. just was apparent that I had to cut up, you know, make, make death metal focus on the, the Florida scene, really, and, and then 
tag on the grindcore scene from England, and you know, diehard uh, death metal fans are certainly not thrilled about that. But um, oh, but it, also it's got something for everybody, you know. I mean, in the and in the world of of e-books, I mean, is a book really ever finished? You know, exactly. You we were just, you know, uh, thinking about that. Sadly, during the many years we worked on the book, at least I think a dozen uh, people we interviewed and are in the book have passed away. Yeah. Even in the last few weeks, you know, from Jeff Hanneman and then, you know, in the early days of the book, of course, Dio and Mm -hmm. I talked to Janie Lane and then, you know, he had passed away within the year. So that, you know, we we updated as much as we could before the book went to press. But of course, the the, the very second it's out, you know, there's there's new things happening in metal, which is why it's a genre genre that's so, um, you know, exciting and ongoing. You know, it's ever evolving. It's not stagnant. And, um, you know, in in another six months or whatever, when it's time hopefully to do a next printing or our soft cover, we are going to try and, uh, you know, update the Lamb of God situation, the Randy Blythe revolution. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's there's always more that you can do. But we had to put a stock on wood. No one else will pass away. It's been a horrible year for that. It has been horrible. Yeah, for sure. And John, I really like what you wrote um, in the the end complete sort of the the afterword of the book that that um, that metal is um, the development of metal is like the evolution of a virus. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it's perfect. Yeah, there's really, no cure. Yeah, it's just this sort of this sort of black plague. But it is. I mean, it's always been there. And you know, for me, doing radio since 1985 or something like that, um, you know, it, like I'll go back and forth, and I have a lot of musical loves. And there's always there's always an underground metal scene. Like it never disappears. And then sometimes certain bands get popular. Like we were talking about, you know, Slayer, who really still, you know, sounds underground, and they're an, a popular band. Um, but but metal yeah. still always has that bubbling under bit, and there's some there's some bands that that will never get played on mainstream radio, and that's not even a a, a line of demarcation anymore because radio has its own life, you know, that's n- not necessarily terrestrial. And the the music survives by adapting and and morphing and transforming and. Oh yeah. I mean, creating hybrids, and you know, sometimes, like you said, it goes underground for a bit, but then your smallpox epidemic uh, (laughs) sweeps the nation again, and you know, you have Slipknot, or you have uh, uh, Lamb of God, or Mastodon, or Asking Alexandria if you like them, or even if you don't, they're there. Right, they're there. Yeah, popular, (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's. uh, I think it's an incredible music form. There's no other uh, music you could say that about. Even punk rock is come and gone and come and gone and it'll probably be around in a similar way but not with the strength that uh that metal has you know metal fans i've found are really lifers they're they're uh, dedicated to their favorite band they introduce their kids to their favorite band yes yes they do well and there's something about the tom mariah and it was in a time when uh slayer was uh maintaining but you know new metal was at a peak Mm. And uh, he said, "Well, you know, it's uh, it's kind of cool because you you get these kids who are into corn, and uh, someone plays corn for their for their uncle, and their uncle's like, you think this is heavy? You got to check out this uh, this album, Rain and Blood, and then suddenly you've got new fans." Right. Yeah, and you know, if you go to a Black Sabbath show, you have fifty-five-year-old guys who liked Sabbath back in you know seventy-two, and then you have uh, their their sons who are. 13 or whatever and 
getting into Paranoid and the old stuff. And, of course, there's a brand-new record from Sabbath out that, you know, actually it has a lot of musical references to their early work. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's it's pretty much crossing generations, I think. If you were a metal fan at 13, you still are. And then, you know, the new 13-year-olds now in the year of whatever it's going to be, you know, 2050, they'll, they'll still be rocking to uh, the Sabbath kids or whoever's going to be out there. Right, yeah. Yeah, the the uh, the next the next generation, whatever that is. Well, and exactly. um, so my my guests are Catherine Terman and John Wiederhorn, and they uh, their book is Louder Than Hell, the definitive oral history of metal. And uh, you've also put together a playlist for us today, so I wanted to uh, to get into that a little bit and give you guys a chance to breathe. And um, the first. Oh. Who needs to breathe? It's metal. <laughs> I know, right? It's all sweat and leather, etc. cetera. Yes. Um, would you like to introduce the first song? Uh, what do you have up first, John? I'll take it away. I'm not sure if you were playing in the I don't have the playlist submitted. in front of me, okay. unfortunately. Boy, here's all right. professionalism coming through. Um, <laughs> was it... Uh, tell us what you got first, and we'll tell you about it. I've got uh, yeah. Slayer, Angel of Death. Angel of Death. Uh yeah. Slayer's quintessential song and Jeff Hanneman's finest moment, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of controversy about the lyrics, but uh, yeah. as Jeff Hanneman says, it's, it's history. He's interested in history. He's not promoting any atrocities. He's just saying, you know, here's what happened and here's a song about it. And our music goes perfectly with, with the, the horrors that were perpetrated. You know, we, they've kind of got that, that dark apocalyptic uh, sound. So it, it was a perfect meshing and uh not a not a celebration just an observation and uh it's a as john says a classic their finest moment oh yeah and and uh from this program where i have guests on um one of the questions that i usually ask is um you know to out of the big four you know the the those metal bands and most people really um recognizing and acknowledge slayer for not changing, you know, as as m- much as the other bands, and being more successful, you know, in that in that way. So, um, yeah, losing Jeff was is really a big blow to music, and and you have to wonder if there's going to be, you know, if the writing process will continue and that kind of thing. So, but well, uh, they are, uh, you know, they are continuing. They did their first show since the passing of uh, Jeff, and and uh, right, Gary Holt. Gary Holt is a wonderful and seasoned and, uh, you know, um, legendary player as well, of mm-hmm. course, in Exodus. He was the main songwriter since, um, well, since day one, yes. or at least since, since Kirk Hammett left Exodus mm-hmm. um, to go to Metallica. And so, you know, he uh, comes from that same school and that same mentality, and if anyone's going to have to replace Jeff, it just seems that... Uh, that Gary Holt is the perfect uh, perfect candidate. Um, and then the drummer situation, you know, they're going with Paul Bostas. So he's uh, been in the band before, and he was doing some great shows. And the thing is, Slayer's never going to do a bad show. It, right. You know, as long as you've got Kerry King there and uh, and and Tom Morea, um I, I can't see that... that uh, that they're not going to be completely explosive. A bad show for Slayer is like, you know, a great show for most other bands. Right, <laughs> right, that's exactly. true. Yeah, and, they, you know, and they know they're they're one of the, you know, they stick to their guns, so if somebody weren't available to drum for them it, it, to at a certain level, 
I think they would probably change their plans instead of going, well, this guy's not quite up to par to play Slayer. Like, they wouldn't do that, you know. No, they know but they've they always had great. I mean, yeah. John Deddy, who filled in in Australia, uh, he's a great player, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was double shifting with uh, with Anthrax at the time also because wow. Charlie Benante couldn't, couldn't tour. Mm. Um, so that must have been a real uh, incredible uh, <laughs> undertaking. In fact, I saw a photo that he put on Facebook of his hands just covered with blisters Ooh. I think after the second show of the tour or something. Wow. Yeah, doing double duty drumming for, <laughs> for two bands like that especially is insane. All right, so we are going to uh, to move into the playlist. Playlist. My guests are Catherine Terman and John Wiederhorn, and uh, here is some Slayer. Please stay tuned. <laughs> We have returned. My guests are Catherine Terman and John Wiederhorn. Are you guys there? Yes, we, we are, are here. Hello. Well, I'll, I would like to start off by thanking you for playing Carcass. Oh, thank you for Yay. letting us play Carcass. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there aren't that many places that are, you know, you could go and say, hey, 
what do you want to hear? Carcass? Cool. Let's put it on. Right. Right. <laughs> it's Exa- awesome. Exactly. The greatest uh, grindcore bands, and then they grew up and did a lot more than just grind. Yeah, so. I you know I do really I love their later periods also. Really, the artwork was was one of the I think their finest records. Although I I, I love the album that you just you know played the song from as well. And even their really early stuff, although it was kind of, you know, uh, primitive symphonies of sickness, just it's like so over the top. It's like <laughs> napalm death scum. It's like right. wow, you know, it's such a kick in the head. Uh, a lot of fun. And uh, it, it carcass. Um, so that set was carcass, preceded by Black Sabbath, preceded by Mastodon, preceded by Slayer. So all we did touch on Slayer a little bit. Those three bands, the other three bands, obviously included in your book, uh, Louder Than Hell. Um, I have a, a question from a listener who, oh, what do I do with it? Listener question says, um, who do you feel supplied some of the best insight for the book when you spoke to them? Hmm. I mean, there's so many different bands and so many different genres. Uh, I think John and I both you know, we, we did a lot of interviews separately. We had archival interviews from our history, and then we did a lot of interviews separately. But we did a few together, including uh, Philip Anselmo from X Pantera, I guess, current down, current uh, new project, whose name I can't remember. <laughs> but, oh, um, Arson Anthem. I think, yeah, I think we spent quite a bit of time together on the phone with him, and I think he was surprisingly uh, forthcoming and honest and seemed to give us as much time as we wanted. It was... You know, it was really kind of a delving into his soul a little bit. Um, mm. You know, because of course Pantera has so much history and bad blood, and hopefully things are being a little bit repaired there. Right. I mean, John, do you want to? Well, I, I'd agree actually, because um, not only is Phil a legendary figure in in uh, metal and and as the frontman of Pantera and Down, but he's a great lover of metal. And oh, we talked is. about the roots of metal, and we're like, well, is it fair to say that you know you should include we should include um, MC5 and and uh, you know we should include uh, the Stooges? He's like, absolutely, you know. He's like, ah, you know, you, you metal traces back to Jethro Tull, and I'll, I'll stop doing my Anselmo. I was going to say, I love your anyway, Anselmo. I was talking too fast. <laughs> um, <but laughs> yes, yes. But he's, That's he's pretty good, though. Really, uh, you know, well schooled and loves music not just uh metal so but but specifically you know metal whether it's underground whether it's you know um the the roots of uh, of the genre the really early stuff the doom stuff the extreme black metal and uh even after the interviews were done that we worked on for the book he you know just just a dude who loves talking metal and it was fun um so he was he was great um you know, we got a lot of uh, cooperation from from Tony Iommi, um, talking about the early years of of the metal scene, and of course, specifically Black Sabbath, um, all the way through uh, Heaven and Hell, and uh, it was uh, you know a real thrill for me to talk to him, of course, because he's an icon. Yeah. Um, and I had like two hours with him, which was great, because a lot of these guys, you know. It's set up through a publicist or a manager, and you end up with your your twenty thirty minute interview, and you're like, great, I have to talk about a genre, a career, and uh, you know, great moments in thirty minutes. So when you're you're lucky enough to get one of these people who's just going to be forth forthcoming and 
and, and generous with their time, um, it's, it's a blessing. At the end of the Tony interview, he's like, God, you know, I've got my own book I'm writing now. I don't know what's going to be left to say that uh, I haven't already told you. So oh, really? He is, huh? Well, and but that's, and I think there's something about Tony Iommi, and I've, you know, never met him, but he knows how important he is. And he may have gotten the idea, he probably, you know, knew you from the past and, and, and knew that, that what he had to say would be very, very pivotal. You know, a, a, a lot of the information is important. I mean, he would be one of those people that if you didn't interview him, the book would have so much less to sort of stand on. Yeah. Know, Black Sabbath yeah. being I mean, a like lot, a foundation band. A, a lot of band. musicians don't really think that way, but you're correct. I mean, they're like, eh, it's a book, it's not promoting our new record, it's right. whatever, but obviously he's so aware of the legacy, and um, But he's also humble. He was just yes, a nice humble. man. He, it's almost like the best people, Rob Halford, is certainly aware that he's contributed, you know, in, in incalculable amount of uh, creativity and, and influence into metal, but he's just the nicest, nicest man you know, giving of his time, and when you're talking to him, there's no no ego, no attitude whatsoever. Mm. And um, those are the people who I really respect the most. Yeah, a lot of the British guys definitely seem that way. You know, Rob Halford and all the guys in Priest. Um, you know, Brian Tatler from Diamond Head. Um, you know, I talked to Biff from Saxon. A lot of those guys, um, you know, they're the, the the pillars on which the genre is built, and... You know, they're still very, very humble about it. You know, of course, you think of uh, Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses and, you know, David Lee Roth. Those guys are, you know, way over the top, egotistical, crazy, nutty, very, very different from, from the old school originators. I mean, not, not better or worse, just, you know, a, a different take on their place in music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that, though. Yeah. I mean, and there so, is... Yeah, I don't know if... Um, you know, if you're playing the new Sabbath, or what people are thinking of that, or, or yeah, I haven't heard it yet. You know, it's or what the, the the controversy, if that's too big a word, about not having Bill Ward in the band. But um, you know, I, I if if I can uh, see Sabbath again, I probably will. And and actually tonight in Brooklyn, Guns and Roses are playing. I don't think John and I are going again. Speaking of members and controversy, uh, hey, Guns yeah, and I don't Roses. I have 150 bucks member. to spare on a club show. Wait, where? Exactly. It's going to start at midnight. I'm sorry, exactly. Guns N' Roses are playing in Brooklyn tonight? They are. Yeah. There's a kind of a, a, not really a secret show, but a recently not announced now. show at the Brooklyn Bowl, Guns N' Roses tonight. Really? Yeah. Weird, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Of course, we, we don't have the, the, the pull to get in for free, and we can't afford 150 The life of a writer is worse than the life of a musician, maybe, uh. <laughs> in terms of profit margin. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, you know. At least, uh, you know, if kids didn't get to see the original Guns N' Roses, maybe this will make some kids happy. How funny. Or oh, not. I had no idea. Yeah, or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but, I mean, you know, whether you love them or hate them, like, they definitely had a profound effect on, on like, Avenged Sevenfold and the new wave of bands like Black Veil Brides. Again, if you love them or hate them, asking Alexandria. And, and so, you know, th- th- these people... I think in, in metal, people look to the past and, and seek knowledge from it, and it's, uh, you know, kind of cool to, to uh, be able to trace the, uh, the history of, well, where did this kind of sound come from? You know, who did, who did he steal his riffs from? Right. 
And you've yeah, done a exactly. great book that really that that really almost traces it out. Except for, I mean, it'd be great to have a timeline. Be like riff stolen from here and here. Yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. I love it when they steal the riffs from themselves too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, they're allowed. But then you're like, wow, that was a that half second there was just another song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, and how many people did you interview for the book? Well, I, I think originally the when we started the book, they said, oh, you should talk to, you know, like 150 people. We're like, wow, that's a lot. Okay. And then uh, four years in, I believe the total is up to about 400. Wow. So um, Most we of them are new interviews. But, mm-hmm. but the good thing is, uh, since it's an oral history that traces the whole arc of the music genre, we were able to, to use some archival stuff as well. And that's where... Um, it was really great to be able to use uh, interviews from the early days of Corn, for instance, uh, where they were much more uh, open and uh, and forthright about their uh, their lifestyles and their uh, um, you know disdain for for what they they heard around them. Whereas now, I think uh, that, that those guys are, are, are a little, little bit more media savvy, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, Although they're still outrageous, uh, but and then you know Catherine was able to bring her uh, Guns and Roses interviews from before they were signed, which was a great thing to have. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I think the the archival stuff was wonderful and helpful, and then we were able to you know revisit people we talked to. You know, I, I had very early Duff and Slash and Stephen Adler interviews. Speaking of Guns and Roses, and then we were able to go back, you know, a year and a half ago and kind of re-interview and jump off from those initial interviews and I could say, hey, you know, when I talked to you in 1987, you said this. And, and right. so, I didn't say that. Yeah, You're out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, their, their words are coming back to haunt them. Right. Thanks to the power of the old-fashioned uh, tape recorder back then, which is how we used to record <laughs> things. So there, there was also some, uh, you know, technical challenges in putting, putting this huge book together because of the... Uh, you know, the early interviews were on those things called floppy disks, if anyone remembers. Oh, that. yes. The, the yeah. Yeah, five, the Back four it up, we had to find those giant cassette tapes mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. something to play it on. Right. <laughs> yes, it was right. definitely a labor of love. And hate. And, and yeah. um, <laughs> was there anybody that you went back to, like, after interviewing them, say, in the 90s and now, where they were just so different, like, so radically different? Um, I think... Definitely, because a lot of people got sober. So, I mean, like you have or Jonathan married. Davis from, yeah, or married and don't want to give their sexual in- exploits. Like Jonathan Davis from Corn mm. in his early days really talked about a lot of time in his coroner's office and his feelings about sex and his enjoyment of being publicly flogged in a shower with a Judas Priest belt while people watched. But, yes. uh, <laughs> now but who, a, who wouldn't know, like that? Yeah, of course. I mean, that's what I'm doing tonight. But I mean, you know, I think now he's a dad, he's sober, he's got kids, Corn is still, uh, you know, mounting a campaign to keep their relevancy and increase it. So, you know, I don't think he would be embarrassed or not talk about that stuff, but certainly uh, he's talk about it. I don't think he's embarrassed by it. No, he's not embarrassed, but I mean, he's a different, he's in a different place in his life now. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. He's more focused on, you know, I mean, who else do you think, That's the thing with a lot of these guys when they're, in in the uh, you know early stages of success, uh, the world is their oyster, and and uh, you know they're they're um, just just like a kid in a candy store to uh, you know, mix metaphors. Um, they're not married. Uh, they have no major commitments, no major bills, no mortgage, uh, a, a huge selling record, 
and uh, a rider that has unlimited amounts of alcohol and you know maybe some uh, other substances on it or if it's on the rider they certainly get it by other means so you know and they're young and their bodies are strong and they go crazy and uh it's an understandable development and and you know it's basically they're living their rock star dreams from when they first heard of what the who or the doors or uh, zeppelin were doing mm. but then i think after 15 20 years of that uh, at most you know a lot of these guys grow up and and uh, uh or maybe grow up isn't the word but um they can't keep up with the pace that they that they used to have or they're married or their priorities have shifted um, or their liver has fallen out of their body yeah <laughs> they've had <several laughs> transplants yeah um, yes and then they're in a different place. I mean, if you talk to Phil Anselmo now, he's not, you know, uh, a drugged up, uh, uh, you know, basket case anymore. Right. But there was a time when he was, and, and it was seriously jeopardizing Pantera, and he'd be the first to admit it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the same could be said for Al Jurgensen in ministry, who, you know, is no longer doing uh, uh, narcotics and hasn't been for, you know, like 12, 13 years now but did for 22 so it's uh yeah these guys change when their when their habits change but they, it's funny a lot of addictive people still have addictive uh, qualities to their personality i've found and they find other vices and sometimes the vice is a religion and sometimes it's gambling and or you know whatever it is it's uh kind of just shifting your priority from one kind of obsession to another mm-hmm. sometimes it's just making music right yeah. W- was there anybody who absolutely refused to speak to you guys? Yep. Um, <laughs> I'll let you take Well, yeah, actually, I'll, I'll take the, the first one briefly. Neither John nor I are huge Shredder fans, but of course... This is your favorite... Movie. My favorite what? Nothing. My, it comes my, up in every interview, though. It's great. I know, okay. I know, I know. Um, well, I was going to say Ingve. We have Steve Vai in there. In fact, oddly, I had a dream about Steve Vai the other night, so mm-hmm. I think I'm talking about the book too much but uh <laughs> you know we have we have steve Vai in there but uh ingve you know we've we talked to him over the years but we felt we needed to get something from him and uh his wife i believe is his manager or publicist and they just turned us down the ego and, uh, was too huge for our huge yeah, book and hmm. exactly he couldn't fit in our book right. and we didn't so, try uh, too hard no you know? we didn't we gave okay he turned us down oh well we tried and yet so, i think we have a quote or we do we we did we Definitely didn't want to exclude him just because he didn't yeah. want to be in. We were going to make him be in the book, so we. But we definitely. Sadly, I really wanted Richie Blackmore in there. I, uh, in, in, you know, to talk about uh, Deep Purple and, and and Rainbow, and he's just so consumed right now with uh, re- making Renaissance music with his wife mm-hmm. that uh, he he literally will not talk about uh, the olden days of his career, which wow. is a shame because he contributed so much. Absolutely. And, um, it it really limited our abilities to to talk about Rainbow because um, you know it's something Dio doesn't really dwell on or didn't when when I interviewed him and sadly he passed while we were making the book obviously mm. um, and he contributed some great great stuff about Sabbath and heaven and hell and even uh, the, the you know, his own solo band Dio but he didn't really want to talk about Rainbow so you know that meant leaving a crucial band out. Um, because we didn't go to the, we didn't figure it was worth just going to all the the kind of more minor members or the you know the lesser members of that band. Right. And uh, it's too bad, uh, but we still were able to get Blackmore in the book because uh, 
you know, we have connections, and we, as editors of magazines, we had uh, assigned pieces on so many of these guys to, to other writers uh, and friends. And uh, a good friend of mine, Jeff Perlow, was working with me at Guitar Magazine when I had him do a piece on uh, Deep Purple when, when Blackmore was talking about uh, uh, the band. Uh, they'd just done a box set for uh, Rhino. Um, so he does, you know, he is in there talking about Smoke on the Water and his creation and some early stuff, but um, not to the extent that we would have loved him to be. Mm-hmm. Well, that's yeah, great. I mean, that uh, What was really nice was people like... Um, Bruce Dickinson, even who, and Paul Diano, of course, talking about the Maiden history, you know, who were able to definitely uh, reach back and tell those early stories with surprising enthusiasm and new detail. Um, so it was very exciting when that sort of stuff happened, even though sometimes it was hard to reach them. But usually, once we did, um, Terry Glaze from Pantera too. Yeah, Terry Glaze from Pantera. They it was they were um, you know of course Terry Glaze hasn't been interviewed as many times as. Um, Bruce Dickinson has, right. but uh, a lot of people were really surprisingly open in, in recounting the same stories, but, uh, you know, kind of giving different memories and twists and, and enthusiasm and extra information that, you know, we were kind of surprised and thrilled to get. Well, and uh, is there a... Still rocking out there? Yes. This, <laughs> um, what's the supporting website for the book? Oh, Okay. Yeah, we're um, one thing that's kind of cool is that uh, we hadn't thought about, but John is a good representative. Uh, it's a great book for Father's Day, Loud Within Hell. Uh, it's, a, it's a great book for metal dads, John being a metal dad. If he hadn't written yeah. the book, I'm sure, his, I'm sure his, uh, his wife and kids would get him the book if he hadn't written it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's kind true. of a funny thing. Yeah, we hadn't really considered, like, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Christmas gift, whatever. But, yeah, there's many rockin' dads who I think... Um, would enjoy this. Not your dad, John. I don't. I think he's more opera than metal, maybe. Or he's got the book on the shelf, though. <laughs> okay, but did he pay for it? But he's a little more Lawrence Welk. He actually <laughs> did. He bought it from Amazon. Which, oh, good. Uh, he wanted to support Excellent. the cause, which I was. Oh, good. Uh, Excellent. Honored by, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dad. It's. Uh, but that's a, a thing, though. It's. It. It. You know. It. It can appeal to dads, and it can appeal to high school kids, and I think so many people have been through metal phases of their lives or had friends who are metal heads and they kind of were on the periphery of maybe hearing Living After Midnight and, you know, um, Black Sabbath, uh, uh, Paranoid, and didn't really delve into metal. But they, there's maybe a curiosity there. And I think this is more of a cultural history, really, than a straightforward um, analytical history. There have been some really good books that have been academic histories of metal, and we wanted to tell the history and, and, you know, the chronology of the genre, but we didn't want to um, stop there. We, we really wanted to be able to go into the personalities of these people and, and talk a lot about what was going on behind the scenes. And, I mean, you know, without focusing just on the sex, drugs, rock and roll, that's certainly a part of it. And I guess uh, both, uh, you know, Lemmy and... Uh, um, who else is quoted in there saying, you know, you go into rock and roll for uh, oh, basically the girls. Yeah, Lemmy was the main one who said that. I did, I just but he didn't use the word girls. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't. didn't use the word he used. Yes, I think he <laughs> no, was talking about kittens. Back, he might have been talking about yeah, kittens. He, um, yeah, I guess, I, I guess a, lot of, a lot of the new metal guys, uh, though I'm sure they would change their tune now, I think, like maybe Fred Durst. And, you know, hey, they did it all for the nookie. Yeah. The nookie. <laughs> 
um, yeah, some put it out there in song even. Yes, and, and I, I do like that uh, all the, well, the, the book itself is a Man of War title, right? And, the, and all of the oh, chapters yeah. are, are, uh, are, are album titles. Um, well, it's funny. The Man of War thing, um, when we came up with the title, uh, I actually came up with it, and we had just gotten uh, word from our agent that uh, you know there was some, some interest and there was excitement in the book, but no one had signed it yet, but we should come up with a full proposal and a title. And I was in a show by uh, Early Man and uh, uh, Red Fang, mm. and between sets, I had a Village Voice in hand and was ju- and a Sharpie in my pocket and just started scrap scribbling names on the on the back of it, almost you know stream of consciousness. And one of the things I wrote was louder than hell, um, heavier than hell was a different one, and and uh, uh, there were other permutations, but. Um, it didn't dawn on me until later that it, it was a Sam Kinison album and a, uh, <laughs> a Manowar album, and and then Catherine informed me it's also a Motley Crue song. But it's an iconic yeah, so kind I of. Uh, Neil. Oh yeah, sure. I made sure that I, I knew that as well. It's an iconic title. Yeah, they've readded that song to their set. I hear. Oh. Because of us. Maybe. Yeah, of course. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing is, Manowar, um, who I was a big fan of as a high school kid. Uh, I thought, well, it would be great to interview, you know, Joey DeMeo. So we put in our uh, request and got in back like a five-page contract um, that we had to fill out before we were able to go in and ask them any questions. Plus, they wanted a full list of all the questions that we would ask in said interview, and wow. they wanted approval of the interview. Mm. And at that point, I thought, you know what, if if Rob Halford and, and uh, Kirk Hammett and, and Phil Anselmo don't need this, neither do you, <laughs> and... I'm sorry, Manowar, you're not that important. Right, yeah. Hmm. Hail to England and all. You <laughs> know they're not from England. No. <laughs> and, um, that, yeah, uh, sorry. And you were, when you said you, you brought up the Village Voice, um, did you know that you were going to get the cover of the Village Voice? Um, well, that was actually super exciting. I, I just started writing for them late last year with their uh, new music editor, Brian McManus. And, um, you know, I think he was happy to have someone pitching him metal uh, in New York because I guess there weren't a lot of uh, metal journalists here, or one or two others. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I told him the book was coming out and he was interested. And, uh, you know, I, I guess as, as the release finally came closer and it was clear the book was actually finally going to come out, we proposed... Um, some excerpts from the book, as we did, you know, in our publishing company, It Books, HarperCollins, they went to a lot of outlets and said, hey, do you want to do an excerpt? And uh, so John and I went to our contact as well. I went to The Village Voice. John went to um, Guitar World. And Guitar they World did a nice nine-page spread, actually. Yeah, nine great. pages. And then, you know, the Village Voice didn't promise us the cover, and we couldn't imagine that it would be a cover because, you know, the, it's such an iconic paper. Right. Um, and uh, we joked around. We're like, oh, yeah, put it on the cover and put our names on the cover. And then, lo and behold, that <laughs> happened. Yeah, you were. <laughs> for. I mean, I, I, yeah, we I don't so think I've ever away. seen my name that large as a, on, on a byline. They, they yeah, really it was, we were totally thrilled. And, and, you know, they, they did the New York chapter, so it was very pertinent. Mm-hmm. You know, Chromags and Biohazard, Agnostic Front, I think maybe Carnivore's mentioned in there. Um, and so it was like a perfect right. fit. And, and they said, hey, it gave us a lot of credibility. And, and it gave us a lot of credibility, mm-hmm. too. So yeah. It was pretty, I mean, it's definitely a highlight of my career. Very sure. proud of that. Yeah, we were excited. Yeah. yeah, for sure. We were in the LA Weekly also, 
uh, you know, they're connected papers, uh, but they decided to excerpt the uh, part of the hair metal chapter. So there's a big picture of Axel with buttless chaps and big hair and, <laughs> in the L.A. Weekly. So that was fun. Oh, and I did want to... funny, though. Salon also excerpted, excerpted that same chapter. But there's a, it just kind of shows the, the, the cross-over uh, appeal. Um, you know, not to use the word crossover, which is you know, a chapter of the book. Right. But, um, wide-ranging you know, appeal. <laughs> yes, we're very in, good. Uh, you know the widespread appeal, right? Like that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the guitar world is more geared towards players and 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 uh, fans of heavy music and all kinds of guitar music, of course. And then Salon is a totally different audience, and uh, you know, I, I I was excited that uh, you know this music and and this book has has that uh, appeal, and editors are realizing that uh, wow, you know, even. Even people who maybe aren't normally in the metal or or uh, our readers. I mean, we were on NPR, um, which is which was cool because um, it's certainly not a metal, <laughs> you know, right. uh, outlet. Um, so that's that's really kind of kind of exciting to find that uh, people who aren't metalheads can enjoy the uh, the history and of metal, and people who are metalheads, um, you know, can can relive their past and maybe learn things that they didn't know. Right, and I would say even if maybe some of the people are thinking it's tongue-in-cheek, like maybe Salon is like, oh, let's print this and make fun of the silly hair bands in metal. But, uh, you know, maybe that backfired, and people are like, oh, yeah, I forgot how much I love that. Or maybe it didn't, and maybe people are laughing and saying, oh, you know, leather chaps and pointy cowboy boots with, with bandanas around them, ha-ha. But either way, uh, it gets metal out there, so I think oh, yeah, awesome. Well, and having the excerpt in such a, you know, popular publications for people to just sort of get a taste of, you know, is, is really perfect. I exactly. We were, yeah, we were totally thrilled. And hopefully, you know, the excerpt was enough to make people want to shell out a few more bucks to get the, the full thing and the mm-hmm. color photos. I mean, there's a lot of pretty cool photos, I think. I was just going to ask you that because, of course, I, I'm reading it. Live stuff. There's How many photos are in the book? The band members member. Um, there's fun stuff. Oh, okay. How many pa- uh, uh, there's three different photo inserts. Oh. And, uh, each insert is about, I don't know, 10, 16 pages or something? Something like that, oh, yeah. Oh, great. And, you know, with three or, three or so photos a page. So there's, yeah, they're, they're I mean, I yeah, from Watain, from Watain to Randy Rhodes to, to you know, Brett Michaels to King Diamond to, uh, you know, John Five. MC Five. John Five to MC Five. John Five to MC Five. Exactly. <laughs> I know. So yeah, it's, I think it pretty much it covers the spectrum. Yeah, there's like like some Scott Ian, for instance, who you know wrote a really fun forward for the book about his personal mm-hmm. uh, you know youth getting into metal. He gave us a great picture of him and Cliff Burton from Metallica from 1984. Wow. So yeah. we definitely have some photos that people have never ever seen before. So that's we're excited that we could share that. Oh, great. That's awesome. Hey, so I want to uh, get to another set of music because our time is just, it's withering away. And uh, thank well, you so much catty. for, thank you for being on the air and, uh, and, and, and taking the time. What do you, uh, what do you want to talk to the listeners about next? Well, we've play talked a fair amount about Pantera. We could play some of that. Or uh, Rammstein, John, do you want to talk about, uh, can't remember if those are actually your photos in the book or not. There's some pretty interesting Rammstein photos. No, those are those are uh, Stephanie Cabral's photos oh, yeah. who worked with yeah. you at uh, RIP. I have some photos. Right. Actually, I have a Mastodon photo 
I know you're a big Mastodon fan, which we've discussed. Yes, <laughs> um, yes, indeed. And, and Mastodon uh, was on the I last of Brett Michaels' photo, but it was it was kind of fun because uh, you know while we were working on the book, um, I had uh, I mean I already knew a lot of people in the industry, of course, but uh, I wasn't known as a photographer. Um, but I, I it's a hobby of mine, so I figured, well, if if uh, we don't have a budget for photos, this presents an opportunity to uh, you know get into the pit get into the uh, oh, great. front of the stage and, and do some photography of my own. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was I was fun. fun. So I got about five pictures in the book, too, which is cool. And in terms of something to play now, I vote either Pantera Walk, or Rammstein, Duhast, or maybe Let's Lamb do of God. Let's do fail? Duhast. Can we Duhast it? We can do, we can do Hast it. So um, <laughs> <laughs> and my, guess are, my guests are Catherine Turman and John Wiederhorn. They have uh, written a book called Louder Than Hell, and their playlist this time leads off with some Rammstein. Stay tuned. And we are WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, WFMU.org in Rockland County at 91.9 FM. And I just want to let everybody know that the National Weather Service has issued a flash flood watch for Fairfield, Connecticut, Passaic County, New Jersey. Well, these are all New Jersey counties, Passaic, Hudson, Bergen, Essex, and Union, and then New York counties, Orange, Putnam, Rockland, Westchester, New York, New York County, uh, Bronx, Richmond, Kings, Suffolk, Queens, and Nassau. And so we are, uh, I am, we are back Whoop, with my guests. Hello. Hello. We are here. Catherine Turman and John Wiederhorn. And um, so aside from the, the weather warning, um, I just want to. Well, it's as John was saying something about, uh, you know, we, we, we could talk uh, weather and song titles and seasons in the abyss is maybe what's the happening with the weather these days. storm of metal is never, uh, yeah. never abates. Right. No. Um. Yeah, we, definitely a lot of uh, rocky like a hurricane things we could say. <laughs> 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 Let's not be that cheesy. Oh, wait, I just was. <laughs> well, that's... Uh, but, and she, oh, yeah, but well, you've I, covered cheesy in the book very well, though, too. You know. Well, thank you. I mean, uh, one person's cheesy is another person's... Uh, metal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, One person's cheese is another person's filet mignon. Right. Yes. Especially you if you're Kronos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean. Kronos eats cheese. Right. 
We could do a we could do recipe book for you know all sorts of cocktail concoctions and brain stew. You know, black metal brain, uh, brain stew. Well, if we're talking Euronymous uh, and or brain salad yes. surgery, if we're going to go to that's mm-hmm. more Prague rock. Prague. Like well, you could you could go into Prague because you there are bands that sort of that are in the book, but but that definitely have the the Prague thing. I mean, you know, and you did talk about editing before, and it's and it is really. I think that the book is very well laid out. Um, you know, you kind of, there's like, it's sort of timeline-ish, and then a lot of it, of course, overlaps. And uh, it, w- was there, a, arriving at 13 chapters, was that intentional? Not exactly, but it's a nice, <laughs> it's a, it it's a nice um, coincidence, I guess. But I, I did really want to include uh, a post-rock chapter, I mean, a post-metal chapter, mm-hmm. because I just love everything that uh, Justin Broderick has done. Post, oh, yeah. You know, God Flesh and Neurosis are insane, and the Melvins helped launch all that, and Isis and Pelican, but we just only had so much space in the book, and that's kind of one of my biggest regrets. And, <clears throat> and people are saying, why is there no prog metal? And one of the reasons, actually, is because most of the prog metal interviews... Um, or interviews with prog metal bands that I've done just haven't been that exciting. These guys are great musicians, and all they talk about is music, and the book isn't just about music. Mm-hmm. I'll probably get uh, some flack for that, but, um, you know, I, we, we just had to draw the line somewhere, so so uh, it's um, well, as maybe inclusive that, as it can be. Maybe that's another book. You know, I mean, if the oh, no. <laughs> it could be, there is a prog she's metal running book. away. Your tongue. <laughs> I don't have Daniel four more years yeah. to spare. Right, <laughs> but you know, and I mean, you could, you know, there could be a, a fun. I can, I can hear like a humorous title for a book about Prague already. Although Jeff Wagner's book is awesome. Um, I was saying, there's a yeah, book on yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, Swedish uh, death metal. Getting good. Yeah, that's yeah. There's there's so many. Uh, pretty comprehensive books on just individual subgenres that we cover in chapters. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to give a good taste of of everything, as opposed to, or as much as we could, uh, as opposed to going into one subgenre in you know 300 pages, which which may happen in the future or something. But um, it uh, yeah, and some people are a little. Myths like oh seven dust aren't in a chapter. And it's like yeah, but you know, everyone else from that major genre are, and seven dust did some great stuff, but uh, it just didn't. They didn't make the cut. Couldn't you, fit it in. You Sorry. Ca- I mean, have you read a lot of book reviews? Do you care? That's funny. You know, it's always uh, when we're on the other end, writing about bands and doing reviews and things. You know, we think about ooh, is the band going to see this? What's going to happen? Um, so I must say, I think we've read almost all the reviews. John uh, occasionally I've will start yelling and swearing at, at, <laughs> yeah, at negative reviews. Screw that guy. He doesn't know anything. Yeah. But right. most of the reviews have been kind, and even the ones that um, you know haven't been as kind, I can see their point. You know, cause It's like John was just saying. They want the tiniest little sh- subgenre band in the basement down the street included in the book, which we just right. didn't do. So I see or their, their favorite thing was excluded. Someone was very unhappy that we didn't put Doro Pesci in. This is from an Amazon mm. reader. And um, Doro's fans are insane. Dor- the, yeah. you know, these people's favorite artist isn't in the book. The book sucks. <laughs> and um, I, I, I can appreciate that kind of passion. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we yeah, did no, the I best we could. 
Yeah, it means a lot to me that we're getting uh, a lot of support and that people actually seem to be reading it closely enough to notice that their their uh, favorites may not be in there or that their their favorites are. And some people give us huge kudos for using a lot of uh, having a lot of underground people in there. Yeah, which you know, and overall the press audience. has been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mean, yeah, it's been great. We've had you know four stars in Rolling Stone, A minus in Entertainment Weekly. I know those are very mainstream. Wow, but uh, But to to uh, be able to get into Entertainment uh, Weekly is awesome. Loudwire gave us a raving review, which is really cool because they seem to, you know, they do really know metal, um, and there are a lot of fans there. So it's not just someone who isn't assigned to review. These are people who who have written a lot of these reviews. You read them, and you're like, wow, this is definitely someone who who knows metal. Revolver gave us four stars. So it's it's exciting. Yeah, I mean, Rolling Rolling Stone gave us four stars. Yeah. Um, they, though they used, uh, they misidentified a photo that went with the review, but still, you know, they they covered metal, and uh, their reviewer, who we didn't know, liked it. So yeah, you know, well, it wasn't a payoff that. either. So it was yeah, they, exactly. <laughs> that's a step in the right direction. A reward. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So yeah, it's exciting, and I think you know, it's it's all fueling the uh, the interest in the book, and and. Uh, um, Later today, we're going to be on uh, Shindig, which is uh, shindig.com, which is like this uh, open forum. So if if you can't, uh, if you're not sick of us yet, and you actually want to ask us questions and give us flack for not covering your favorite bands, you know, please uh, RSVP on shindig.com. We'll be on there between five and six tonight. Oh, great! Are you? Um, I think that you had done a book tour. Is that is that right? Did you? Well, I don't know if you can call uh, two places a tour. Okay, I wasn't sure. <laughs> we <Yeah>. have uh, <laughs> not nothing yet, but hopefully this summer we're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna get the book out on Mayhem and some other festivals, and we're gonna try and go to a couple uh, different uh, locations and sign there and get some of the bands who are playing on it to sign. So, but, but uh, the cool yeah, thing is it will be available on Mayhem. So if if if. Yeah. Uh, People want to buy it. It'll be at uh, Rita Haney's booth. Uh, Rita is, of course, oh, sure. Daryl's mm-hmm. from Pantera's uh, widow, and she has uh, a booth where she sells tons of metal stuff and, and, and dime bag memorabilia. And right. she'll be selling our book, and uh, she'll sign it, and it'll give people an opportunity to, you know, go during signing. Um, what are they? The promotions at the event, and and right, you know, the meet and greet. Sign maybe by. By members of, uh, you know, by Rob Zombie or uh, um, who else is on that bill? Uh, Mastodon are on the bill. And, yep. uh, mm-hmm. uh Behemoth just dropped off, unfortunately. And, uh, oh, really? But, uh, you know, other great bands. Yeah. The, um, um, uh, I completely lost my train of thought. Wow. Sorry. Yeah, all right. We can talk forever. <laughs> Amazon.com. Born. <laughs> Has the book. I was going to say something about about. Oh well, you know, it, it'd be a great book to just bring to every gig because you could get it signed. You you could get this book signed for years and years and years. Like just yeah, it's it's practically thing. an you know, it's encyclopedia. Been yeah. Keeping track of our our sales a little bit, and you know, in this day and age of uh, everyone having, you know, iPad, Kindle, whatever, a lot of our books have been physical books because I think. People want to have the photos, you know, just right there in front of them, and I, I think they are thinking about getting it signed. So that's been kind of a, an interesting thing that people are, are uh, buying our two and a half pound baby. And kudos yeah. to them to care for carrying this book around yeah. to uh, to club shows and uh, 
arena shows and out in the heat at festivals because uh, that would be awesome to uh, exactly. get there that they're doing that and getting it signed and it's um, you know it's fun to sort of carry on the tradition of, uh, yeah. of metal I guess and uh, well and also it's sort of it's it it becomes a an artifact and people want to actually have the book which is interesting in for the publishing world because I know that right. well, there are a lot of libraries actually over 111 I think that have purchased the book mm. and and um, our, our uh, publishing companies says that this is really a book that they're thinking of as a uh, as a reference book as a go-to book for yep. people 10 years from now who mm-hmm. uh, still want to read about the history of uh, a lot of these bands um, you know from from the 70s 80s 90s and, and 2000s and Hopefully, in the years to come, we'll be asked to update future editions with little, you know, additions and, uh, um, you know, uh, elaborations. But um, it, it would be really uh, an honor if this could be sort of the, the please kill me of metal as as it was yeah. intended to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's really successful. And the just the the work that you've done on the book itself, I just want to, you know, commend you on that. And that you signed on to such a massive undertaking and i'm sure it's going to be spectacularly successful and uh even more so around christmas time you know i never thought i'd be going like oh make a great gift but this book for sure because it does really it 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 runs the scope you know the first chapter is kick out the jams proto metal you know 64 to 70 mc5 you know blue cheer the who hendrix etc and then the last chapter is new american gospel which is obviously a Lamb of God um, title, and then includes you know Mastodon, Slipknot, Tool. I mean, there and and really goes. I mean, that's that's a huge scope there. So thank you for covering that. And um, well, thank you for. Uh, I think you need to be our publicist. You're sir, you're as well versed <laughs> on this book as we are, Diane. Oh my God, well, thank you. I, I've almost finished it actually, and and it is. It's a great bounce around book, and and make no mistake, you can read one chapter because it because it, the way it's interviewed and and people you know have their stories. You can just read one paragraph and be like, whoa, you know, it's really it's great. And and uh, and the other thing I want to just really. Um, acknowledge you guys both for is that um, being people that artists will open up to you know people like oh yeah you wrote Uh this book but it's like it it's also a certain kind of person who can get you know Phil Anselmo or Ishan or Fenris or you know I mean Tony Iommi to talk about inner things I mean you you can't just walk and be like hey man so tell me some really cool story like that's just not how it's you know done so you know you both really have a gift and i just want to recognize that oh, you know because well, it's and, and i, I think know, that comes that's... from being you know schooled in journalism and doing this for 20 years and developing a certain trust with certain artists and their reputation and you know it's uh and, and, yeah, it's and great being to be true fans for it. Like, right yeah like you are dan i mean we're all definitely true fans we are out there in the pit we're out there whatever we're we're paying for, you know, sure, a lot of times we get stuff free, but, hell, we're paying for tickets if, if we can't get stuff free. We're definitely still supporting and, and fans like everyone else. And it's funny to note that, you know, all these guys that we interview are fans, you know. Like, look at Dave Grohl. He's like the ultimate metal fan. Right. Yeah. Know? Right. He puts out together his own metal album and has all these extra singers. Like, oh, Exactly. I mean, he's perfect. so lucky he's able to do that. Yep. You know, it's great. So, yeah. Well, yeah, thank you for acknowledging that. It is, uh, I think that was part of the reason we got our 
book deal initially is that they knew that we both had such, you know, long careers already, and we'd built rapports and, you know, had a, a good reputation. A love for metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think you were supposed to write the book. That's all there is <laughs> to it. You I know. hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we made our deal with the devil, and, uh, yes. yeah, now our souls are gone. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I didn't have a soul to begin with. Well, there you go. <laughs> so black. And, right. Ah, uh, uh, yet another. Yes. And what is the uh, the last song that you'd like to go out with today in our for our playlist for the listeners? Um, let's see. We have have we done Lamb of God yet today? I think that that's the song we decided would be the final song. Okay. Do you want to stick with that, John? I mean, uh, sure. That sounds good. Since we've been talking about uh, Lamb of God, and they kind of are part of the uh, current and uh, most uh, relevant um, you know, music scenes, music metal subgenres, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to call it. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, again, uh, Catherine Terman and John Wiederhorn, the, ni- the name of the book is Louder Than Hell, and um, it's, it's a great read, The Definitive Oral History of Metal. Thank you for all the effort you put into it, and thank you for appearing here on the station. And, uh, well, God, thank you for giving us so much time and, again, being so knowledgeable and, and supportive yeah, of us. It's like, you know, it means a lot to us. Thank you. Hey, you're very yeah, welcome. Thanks for your insightful questions, and, um, you know, thanks for loving metal. Yay! So we're Yay, going out. We'll see, see you in the pit. <laughs> yes, exactly. We'll see you in the pit. Here's some Lamb of God, folks. And... Push that one. Okay, we'll stay tuned. Thanks, guys. And that wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you to Lita Martinez for editing the podcast and to Liz Berg for all the other background work. We are WFMU.